0: Well, welcome, glad to have you here this morning. We're, we're continuing to move forward, God's church, God's way. We're going to get in this morning to God's leadership as it relates to God's church, God's way. Last week, we, uh, we talked about this statement, drifting from the faith starts with drifting from the church. And uh, I hear we have quite uh, quite discussions the the discussions this week in community groups and and of course that's what that is all about is as uh, those groups talk through uh, the word of God as we'd shared so uh, I don't know where you are and your thoughts about that but as you think about it's a, I think probably it's a very true statement We shared with you, if you remember what Paul told to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now the writer of the book of Hebrews, that's Paul writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy, but the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus made a new way to God. Uh, a better way. He shed His blood as a once-for-all sacrifice. There was no longer needed all of the daily sacrifices there that were made at the temple in the Old Testament, a once-for-all sacrifice to wash our, way, our sin away. Jesus and His work on the cross is the better way. and And that's Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than all of that, that Old Testament system. And uh, Jesus isn't just really, though that's the word, He's the best. Actually, He's the only way that our sin can be forgiven. The only way that we can have a relationship with God the Father in heaven. And if you're here this morning... And you've never met God because you've never trusted Jesus Christ. You don't understand that Jesus went to the cross, died in your place for your sins so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be given eternal life, so that you could be given a guarantee of life after death. When life on this earth ends, you're with God the Father in heaven forever. And that comes... Because of what Jesus did when he went to the cross. Gave his life. Took our place to forgive our sin. Well, as a result of all of that, and the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about Jesus is the only way. Therefore, we got to grab hold of that truth. We got to make sure that the gospel grips our hearts and that, that we're letting others know. And it means we've got to get connected With one another, we've got to be engaged with His church. We need one another. Do you realize that you as an individual believer before God, a child of God, cannot grow as God intended, can never be a mature Christian without the church? We've talked about that the last few weeks. I mean, just read through the New Testament. You can't miss it. It's there. Uh, you've got to understand. So a very practical outcome of the book of Hebrews is don't stop meeting together. Don't stop meeting together because if you don't follow through on the encouragement to be together, you will start to drift. If you turn your back, if you begin to move away from the church, you will drift from your faith. Possibly turn away, possibly harden your hearts. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. The writer is repeating what he just talked about in chapter 1. So that we do not drift away. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 1 says. Then chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Listen, he's talking to those who know Jesus. He's talking to brothers and sisters. Those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, see to it. That none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How do we we work through that when the temptation is there or the drift might begin? He says, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Listen, sin is deceitful. And sin is that kind of a thing that creeps into our lives without us even reeling. That's why we use the term drift. Because you don't know. I'll never forget, I was a youth pastor uh, down in Haddon Heights, New Jersey, and we took a group of students down for a mission trip to Florida, visited three different church plants, and spent uh, three or four days with each of them, doing whatever we could to help them get started. Well, one of those churches, they had a family in the church who lived right on Daytona Beach. I mean, right on the beach. They had a house up on the, the, the dunes there, big, and they had a pool and everything, the whole deal. They invited us, all of our students over uh, to swim in the pool or the ocean there and then to have a barbecue and all the rest. We had a great time. Well, after, after supper, a number of us went out and we got on one of those big tubes or rafts and, and we were just having a great time and, and we started floating out. We didn't realize I don't know that it was one of those rip currents because those usually go a little faster. But we're just having a great time. And all of a sudden we see the owner up on the hill waving and yelling. And some of the, you come back, come back. And we're out there and we hadn't realized we had just begun to drift and we were moving the wrong direction. And we were able to get back in without any problem, but this guy was a little shook because he knew what the ocean could do. That's what drift is. You begin to do it without even realizing what's happening. And you know what? That's why we need to be paying attention to one another. That's why we need to stay connected and engaged with one another because somebody else will see that we begin to drift and needs to say, hey, what's going on? I've noticed this in your life. You're drifting. That's what Paul, then he says, or the writer of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We've, we looked at this last week. Let us consider how we may spur, provoke one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together. We can't do all these one another's without meeting together, right? You can't do one another by yourself. That's how God designed the church to be together, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more to see the day approaching. You see, all of what the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about is not about me. It's about one another. That's what church is. It's not about me. We don't come, I hope you don't come. As you understand, the church is about us coming to serve one another, to do for one another, to encourage one another, to provoke one another, to to meet together, to say, hey, I've seen some drift. What's going on in your life? That's what we're talking about. The church must be a priority in our lives People are drifting. We need one another. The Bible's clear. If we do God's church, God's way, that's what will happen. We will be talking to one another, encouraging one another. But if we're going to do God's church, God's way, we must also follow God's plan for God's leadership. God's church, God's way involves God's leadership. God has a plan, not just for the church, not just His methods, His way, as we've been reading, but for the leadership. So, please open your Bibles with me this morning to First Timothy chapter two. 1 Timothy chapter two. Now, as we go through, we gave you these fill-in-the-blanks, and I'm not, as you know, if you come here regularly for any number of years, um, a, a, a fill-in-the-blank kind of note guy. But I just wanted you to get this. We're going to be given um, a a lot of information that that if you'll write it down and and it would help. I put the scripture there so it might help keep you engaged with where we are and what we're reading. But uh, keep track of this because as we talk about this, it may get a little confusing. I hope not. But as we talk through 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verses One and two, and here 's what Paul tells Timothy about the leadership of the church he 's describing for Ephesus, but that 's what we find has been the case, and will be true of of the other churches that Paul has, um, has had opportunity to start and minister to so Chapter three, first Timothy, verses one and two, Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer Whoever desires, wants to be Desires a noble task Now the overseer is to be And then the next few verses talk about the characteristics Talk about the qualities that ought to be true Of an individual who desires to be an overseer You say, what's an overseer? Look, hold on, alright, hold on We're going we're to move right into that Uh, Chapter 5, verse 17, I believe it was Mel Walker preached on this text this past summer. Uh, The elders who who direct the the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we had the term overseer. Chapter 5, verse 17, and you could read the next few three or four verses, you'd see the term elder referred to again, used in relationship to the leadership of the local church. And so here it is, overseer elder. And, and the key in the text is that it is not about what he does primarily, it's about who he is. It's not about how he lives, it's, it's what, he, what he is in and of himself. His characteristics, we could say his character, that's what God is, is concerned about. So the local church is made up of individual followers of Jesus, right? Individual like we here today, who are living in relationship together as the church, as the body of Christ, in community with one another. We are a family. That's why Paul talked about Brothers and sisters. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews says brothers and sisters. Why? Because he views us together as a family. Understand that. A family. We need to respond that way. The New Testament refers to those who have been given the responsibility for biblical church leadership as overseers. That's a word we just looked at. As elders, we just saw that. Or pastors, and we'll show you that word. Pastor is the one that we typically use when we talk about, well, who's in charge of the church, at least in our circles, right? Our kind of church here. And so we have elder, we have overseer, we have pastor. That's the terminology that God gives us in the New Testament for direction for his church. So think about it. If we are a community of believers if we are a group, a body of people in relationship with one another because of what Jesus Christ did for us, if we are a family, that's going to require some leadership, right? You get a bunch of people together without any leadership, you're in trouble, right? That's that's why this is God's design. I didn't make this up. Nobody else. God put this together. That's why he gave it to us here in his word overseers elders pastors so follow with me again in a different passage now we keep your place there in first timothy because that's where this all goes but when timothy talks about uh, overseers and elders we've got to understand who they are and all of what they do we're going to get to the character next week and what's involved in that but acts chapter 20 Acts chapter 20 because here's more of a background because here's where Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders and actually he's saying goodbye to them. This is later on after this and, and, and Paul is, is saying, hey, I know my life is over. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And by the way, if, if you don't have a Bible, a hard copy of a Bible, would like to follow along uh, in that, underneath the chair in front of you, there are Bibles available and in that Bible, uh, page 775, Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. So here we are, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And, and here's the fill in. And, and I, uh, right there, you can fill in the blanks as, you, as we read through so that you can get the different words that we're talking about. Verse 17: From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Paul had been in a ship. He was cruising by. He wanted to say goodbye to the elders of Ephesus. So he pulled into Milenus and sent word, hey, have all the pastors. We'll just leave it that for right now. Come, and I want to talk to them. Really what he was doing was saying goodbye. And as you read through more of this text later on, you'll find that he's saying, this is the last time I think I'll ever see you. That's what Paul said. And they wept with him. Chapter, seven, or chapter uh, 20, verse 17, though, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Hey, we just pulled in shore. Come, I want to talk with you. want to talk with you guys. Verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves. This is kind of his farewell address to the pastors, to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, right? Paul just talked already in First Timothy about the overseers. Now he's talking to the elders, and he says to them, God has made you overseers, over the flock. Now the word flock is just reference to the church, to God's people. In the Old Testament, God talked about us, all we like sheep have gone astray. When he's talking about us as individuals before God, how that we're sinners. We're born sinners and we walk away. That's our tendency until we come to Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone. Now I'm quoting King James because that's how I memorized years ago. We have turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him who Jesus... The iniquities are the sins of us all. Why? So that we could be forgiven, so that our sin could be washed away, so that we could be changed, so that we could be made children of God. Jesus died in my place, in your place, for our sins. That's that's what we read. So, sheep, there's the flock. He's talking about the church verse uh, 28 still. So then he says, be shepherds of the church. So we've, we've just saw or seen elders, verse 17 in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now we see here, he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. The Holy Spirit's made you overseers. He's saying that to the elders, and then he says to those elders who he's also saying are overseers, he's saying be shepherds of the church. That's the word that we typically translate pastor, shepherd, pastor. That's the way we, we talk about that. That's the language. If, if Paul is calling the church the flock, a flock of sheep, right? That wasn't a trick question. You thought, what? A flock of bears. No, No. A flock of sheep, right? That's what he's talking about. Be shepherds and here's how we know the flock is the church because he says be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. Jesus paid for us, he died for us. We said that he took our place. He paid with his own blood. That is what washed away our sin, the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll see them just a little bit in First Peter chapter 5, the chief shepherd, the <laughs> chief shepherd. But here it is. Now, we can go on down, verse 29. Now, know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. He's talking about will come into the church and attack the church. Savage wolves. Wolves come after the sheep. That's the picture. Verse 30 even from your own number, even from within your church, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. That was happening in, in Ephesus as we've gone through 1 Timothy. You heard how that's happening false teaching, false teachers. We're trying to move the flock, the sheep away. The thing about sheep is they'll follow anything. They will. And they'll just follow. They, they're not pay, they don't pay attention. They drift. I, I remember we had a farmer when our first church uh, in Russell, Iowa. And uh, there were all kinds of farms around. It was a farming community, but we had, we had a sheep farmer in our church. And he would tell me stories about how dumb sheep are and how they'll do anything. And follow. He would say to me, he said, Pastor, they'll, they'll just eat themselves to death. And I'm thinking, well, we do that. Um, he, no, no, I don't mean, I don't. They'll just be following the trail of grass with their heads down eating grass. And if there's a cliff, they'll go right over. Yeah. Because they're ready to be fu- led really is the idea here. Now, so we we have these three words. So let me let me look at the first one. First leadership position. Um, biblical leadership for the church in the New Testament, elder. We saw that word in 1 Timothy chapter 5. We've seen it here in Acts chapter 20 verse 17. The elder. And 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 there I have listed for you at the bottom of that note page, elder and and there's the transliteration of that presbyteros. Some of you might notice Presbyterian is really in there, but presbyteros, that's elder. That's the term that indicates mature spiritual experience. Yes, it's elder, somebody who's older, no question. But when we find in the New Testament that word used in the church in relationship to leadership in the church, it is, it is most commonly meaning those who have been appointed to the spiritual care of and to the ex- to exercise oversight of the churches and it emphasizes maturity of their spiritual experience so that's the term elder now what what you need is we've gone through this hold on we're going to we're going to make put it all together i hope so there's the first one elder and, and there's a couple of uh, references to other places where that's used in Scripture. Elder is the most frequently used word as it relates to the leader of the church, leaders of the church. So then we have overseer, and, and as we go through the text here, we see also overseer. Some of your translations may have the word bishop. In fact, when I read for you 1 Timothy chapter three verses one and two, use the word overseer. If you, if you had a King James or New King James translation, I think those would be the ones that you would see it. It would say, bishop, if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing, a good work. That would be, But the word bishop is overseer, and that's the word episkopos. Now, I don't expect you to worry about the Greek words, all right? But but just so you recognize them as we talk about them. And this speaks more to the work of the individual whose duty it was to oversee and protect those under his care. All right? The overseer is watching over the church. Watching over the flock. Keep in mind, the flock... Sheep need a shepherd or they're in trouble. That's what Paul is saying. The overseer is watching over them. And again, a couple of references that you can check out. Then we have also the word pastor. I mentioned back there in, in Acts chapter 20, in verse 20, you had, he says to the elders, he's talking, be overseers. The Spirit of God has put you in that position. And then he says, be shepherds of the flock. Pastor, God's. People, the church. So it's the word pastor or shepherd, poimen. That's the, the Greek word that we translate shepherd, but it's where we get the term that we really are most familiar with at Heritage, and that is pastor. That would probably be, in our circles, the word that most people would recognize. Pastor. the pers- Who's the pastor? Well, he's the one who's one of the leaders of your church. If you, maybe you have a couple of pastors. We do here at Heritage. Pastor Paul and myself, the two elders, the two overseers, the two shepherds, pastors of Heritage. That, that's the way we see it. Now, understand this. The shepherd, the pastor, and again, keep in mind the, the picture of the sheep, the flock, shepherding involves tending the flock. You've heard that word. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means to care for them, to feed them, to protect them. Perry Sellers was our sheep farmer. And and he would say, that's why you got to make sure when when they're out there, you're kind of keeping a close eye on because they will walk away. They'll get lost. They'll go over the cliff. and, And you have to care for you have to protect the sheep so they don't just wander away that's the job that's tending and and leading leading the sheep now we're going to talk more about that as we move forward but there there's all three terms that are given to us in the new testament now I want you to look with me too to 1 Peter chapter 5 1 Peter chapter 5 And if you're using one of our Bibles, page 852, 1 Peter 5. Now, we're just moving through. We're skimming the top of this. I'm going to come back next week because we're going to dig right into the characteristics or the character that is expected to be true of the elder, of the overseer, of the shepherd pastor. And we're going to look at that and and what the pastor is to do for God's people, the flock. But chapter 5, 1 Peter, verse 1. Now notice, to the elders among you. Peter is writing, to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder. Peter was an elder. In fact, we we find out he was involved in the church at Jerusalem. Um, Acts chapter 15, when he and Paul were were coming to... Talk about how people come to Christ early on and how that the, the, the synagogues and the Jewish leaders thought that they had to keep the Old Testament and Peter and Paul knew differently. And so they came to the church there because Peter was also a pastor. But he says, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock. Who's, who's Peter talking to? When he says, be shepherds of God's flock, who's he talking to? Elders, right. We know that because it said that in verse 1, right? Peter is talking to the elders and he says, be shepherds, be pastors of God's flock. He goes on, that is under your care, watching over them, right? Right? Watching over. Guess what word that is? It's the overseer word. It's the word for bishop or overseer. Watching over. It's just translated that way more as a verb as opposed to a noun. Stay with me. I promise I won't give any more grammar. But, but that's, that's the way it is. The overseer. So he's saying to the elders... Be pastors or shepherds as you oversee the work of the church. Do you you understand? All three words are used interchangeably for the biblical model of leadership for the local church. Paul taught us that. Peter is teaching us that. The writer of the book of Hebrews is teaching us that. That is how it's referred to throughout the New Testament. I want you to see this and we'll deal more with this next week as we move on. But he says, shepherd God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. Not because you must, but because you're willing. It's like, I think I've told you this before. I remember when we went to Chicago area as youth pastor and wife and uh, our pastor lead pastor, back in those days, senior pastor, had three boys. And and Pastor Purcell would always tell the story. He'd say, yeah, I tell my boys all the time. They say to me on Sunday morning, Dad, do we have to go to church again today? And he would say, no, you don't have to, but you get to. And he made a big deal about that. But you get to. Hey, that means you need to be willing. You need to understand that. And that's what Peter's saying. He's saying to those who are elders, to those who are shepherds, pastors, overseers, he says, You're doing this not because you have to, but because you get to. Not because you are forced into that, but because God has called you. You're doing it willingly. That's what Peter is stressing. Not because you must, but because you're willing. Verse 3, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you. The pastor is not a dictator. He's not cracked the whip, right? That's not the intent at all. He says, but being examples to the flock. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The crown of glory in the text is called, typically it's called the pastor's crown. That's what Peter is teaching. And, and just like Paul in Acts chapter 20, just like here in 1 Peter chapter 5, all three of those words are used interchangeably to describe the individuals whom God has put Over the local church who has uh, ordained, who has called, who has directed, who has gifted, who has enabled, who has put the want to. Remember back in 1 Timothy chapter 3 of when we started. If anyone desires or aspires to become an overseer, he desires a noble or a good work. That's got to be desire that's put into the heart of an individual. That's why I'm here. Yes, you you called me as, as a local church, as a body. But God put it in my heart. That's important. Otherwise, there's not a willingness. You ever find yourself doing something because you have to, not because you want to? It can't be. And that's also true with god's leadership so in light of what you've heard this morning what do you need to do say well maybe learn those names those titles well okay that would be but let me let me share one more text with you let me wrap it up that references god's leadership for the church hebrews chapter 13 hebrews chapter 13 And uh, that's page 845, if you're using one of our Bibles, Hebrews chapter 13, back towards the near the end of the New Testament, Um, and verse 7, verse 7, Hebrews 13, the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now when he says remember, the indication is, is if you were to study the whole book of Hebrews, you would you would recognize that that, Paul, that the writer, uh, I don't know that it's Paul, but the writer of the book of Hebrews had, um, had made reference to heroes of the faith. Chapter 11, we call the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. And it talks about uh, all of those Old Testament... <coughs> Characters who served God, who exercised faith and, and all that. And now he's talking about those who were leaders among you. He's talking to a group of believers who are, who are part of a church. And he's saying to them, remember your leaders. He's talking about remember the past. Really, he's talking about those leaders, those pastors of your church who, who are gone. Gone on to heaven. Who aren't alive anymore. Remember them, he says. Those who spoke, who taught who preach the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And those pastors, those shepherds, those elders, those overseers, by the way they lived and the way they taught should have been pointing people to Jesus. Verse 8. Now, I don't have that in the, on the, on the uh, handout sheet there, but verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, when the human leaders that God puts over us in the church are gone, Jesus Christ is always there. And though that may change, those former leaders remember their past work. Jesus Christ, though, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then we go down to verse 17 have confidence in your leaders. Again, the the references to the elders, to the pastors, to the overseers, the shepherds, and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So what's the responsibility? What do we need to do in light of what we've just heard? Well, number one, remember your leaders. Imitate the faith. We've had 50 years that this church has existed. We celebrated that back in, around Memorial Day weekend. And uh, we, we, t- we had two other former elders, former overseers, former shepherds here. Pastor Beckett, Pastor Culver, They had left. And you, you can follow their faith. But because their faith, like Paul says, I'm following, follow me because I'm following Jesus. That's what we're reading here. Remember them and imitate their faith. What they taught, how they lived, making sure that their lives pointed people to Jesus. Leaders come and go, but Jesus is always there and remains the same. Doesn't change. In this age of overnight change, Jesus is always the same. Huh? Isn't that great? Because you can depend on. You don't have to worry. I wonder what he thinks today. Or I wonder what he's going to do. Well, right here we know. It doesn't change. Secondly, be confident in your leaders. Remember your leaders and imitate their faith. Secondly, be confident in your leaders. Be confident. When Paul says there, or, or the writer of the book of Hebrews says, have confidence in your leaders. The word really in the, is translated obey. Not long after I started here, eight years ago, I had a couple come to me <coughs> because we had taught through some of this eight years ago. And um, they were telling me they were going to probably leave the church. And I said, okay, what, what, what's the deal? Because you preached out of Hebrews 13 and said obey. Okay. And your point is? Well, how can that be? I, 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 that's, what, that's what the Bible says. That's the truth of Scripture. I, I don't know how else to put it. Now, that, that's I told Scott this morning, we were talking in my office before, I said, man, these are always hard when I have to stand up front and tell what Paul and our, our responsibility is as a pastor, as an elder, as an overseer, and here's what scripture says, remember your leaders, be confident, obey your leaders and submit to them as your authority. I, that's just one of those things that it's like, uh, you know, that's like at work. If you're walk, coming to work one day and, and, and your boss comes up to you and says, I just want you to know I'm your boss and don't you ever forget it. And you do everything I say. Right, Michelle? Right. we don't we react right we live in a day and an age when people don't like authority just look at our political system right i mean talk about man we got havoc all over the place because nobody wants to do anything that anybody's told i mean think of all of the all of what's going on with the police officers around our country and and all the rest of that teachers and bosses and whatever the idea involved here is when you have a boss that knows that's the responsibility he's been given or she's been given and, and, and you just, they let you do your job because they know you're an individual who's gonna work hard, it's never a problem. It's the same thing we were talking, doing some premarital counseling and when you talk about husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands as the church does to Christ, well, our, we live in a culture and a world in which they hate to hear that. What do you mean, submit to your husband? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> what kind of stuff is that? We believe in the equality of the sexes. So does the Bible. So does God. And if women who don't know Jesus understood that when God says in Ephesians chapter 5 that women... Wives, submit yourselves. Put yourselves under the authority of your husband. That's, a, that's one of the greatest things you could ever know as a married woman. Why? Because the husband's responsibility is to love you exactly like men. Exactly like God loves the church. Whew. So my model For being a husband is Jesus. Men, if you're married or about to be married, there is no question whatsoever about what that means. You don't know how Jesus would have acted? Read your Bible. Just start going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll know exactly what Jesus would have done. That's the same way as it relates to When it talks about be confident in your leaders, obey them that have the authority over you, it's the idea of be persuaded. Obedience produced by trust. It's going to be, I trust you because God's called you to be here. And then thirdly, follow your leaders. Submit to their authority. Your elders, your pastors, your overseers, follow them don't don't put your hands up follow it's like the sheep will follow john 10 jesus said hey the sheep will hear my voice and because they know my voice they will follow me that's what's involved responsibility of the shepherd why you can be confident well Because I am to keep watch over you. Paul is to keep watch over you. To provide protection. To feed you. To direct you. To help you. To care for you. That's our job. That requires that I love you. And I do. Absolutely. But then he says, because you must also give an account to God. Folks. I'm not just gonna make up something for us to do as a church unless I know that it's a God-directed God-given thing and we've got some godly counsel that that have come alongside that we've interacted with and talked with and prayed through things and you know why I can't do that because one day I've got to stand before God and tell him what I did as one of the pastors elders shepherds overseers at heritage Baptist Church I'm gonna have to give an account And if I'm just winging it on my own, that's not going to be a good thing. Talk about accountability. It's there, God. So, what do we need to do? What's your responsibility? Remember, imitate the faith of your former leaders, be confident in your current leaders, be persuaded of what God has called them to do. Follow them. Put yourself under the authority that God has given to them. And again, 1 Peter 5 is not lording it over, and we'll get into that a little bit more next week. But that's the responsibility. Why? Because we have the responsibility to watch over your soul. Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you for your church. You've given us direction. You've given us a model, a plan to follow. Thank you for that direction. And Lord, I pray that as your people together, as the body, as the family, as a community of those who know Jesus Christ, Oh, God, help us together to become more like Jesus, to be an encouragement to one another, to care for one another, to be concerned about drift that we might see in each other. Thank you for your plan. God, would you use your plan at Heritage in a powerful way For the glory of God, for the good of your people, this flock that we call heritage. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen.